0: Hey there, this is April. We are in the midst of taking a holiday break from doing new episodes of The Burn, and this is giving us such a wonderful opportunity to go back through some of our favorites. So as you are enjoying the holidays, maybe getting cozy with family, hope you will curl up and enjoy this rebroadcast of one of our earliest episodes. My guest was Megan Koziel. And one of the reasons I wanted to bring this to you is because I have a wonderful backstory for you about what went on as Megan and I recorded this episode on this particular day. So the whole topic is pregnancy after cancer, and so it's no surprise that there was a little one there with Megan. I have a video component to every episode that I record. You guys only hear the audio, but I get to see my guests on video. And so let me tell you what was happening for Megan as we recorded this episode. She had a little one there with her and we'll mention her child in the episode and you'll hear some squawking from her for sure. But what you don't necessarily know because Megan is a rock star is that as she was reading her essay, she was juggling the baby and a laptop and doing laps around her house to try to keep that baby quiet while we were recording. It was, so impressive to watch. And I know if you're a mom and you're listening to this, you get it. We do so much work behind the scenes to meet our deadlines, meet our goals, and do all of the parenting gymnastics at the same time. And this particular episode was no different. Megan was balancing it all. I wish I had taken a photo of her with her baby as she's rocking her baby and carrying this laptop and just reading aloud this really incredibly deeply personal story of her survivorship since her diagnosis of breast cancer and the fertility journey that she went on with it. So that's it for me today, dig into this episode, if you've already listened to it, listen to it with fresh ears, and picture Megan behind the scenes being that rock star mom that she is. Enjoy. In nature, a wildfire is one of the most devastating natural forces. It burns hot and fast, and leaves little behind but ash and char, or so it seems. Very soon after the fire passes through the forest, life returns. Shrubs and weeds that clog the forest floor have burned away, leaving space for new trees, grasses, and flowers to emerge and flourish. Habitats are created, bringing new insects, birds, reptiles, and mammals. A cancer diagnosis can feel like a wildfire, our bodies becoming this new, fire-clarified landscape. For some, cancer changes utterly everything, For others, cancer brings greater clarity and purpose. And some of us are still searching for what life after a cancer diagnosis will look like. Welcome to The Burn. We are exploring stories of life and transformation following a breast cancer diagnosis. I'm April Stearns, the founder and editor of Wildfire Magazine and the host of this podcast. Today, we're going to hear a piece about becoming pregnant after breast cancer. Fertility, much like breast cancer, isn’t the singular storyline. We're commonly fed from early on. The common story is pregnancy is a given for anyone who wants it, and we have to actively work to avoid it when we don’t want it. But it’ll be waiting there when we're ready. This, of course assumes that everyone who can get pregnant will want to, but that's a whole nother story for another episode. My guest today is Megan Koziel. When Megan was diagnosed, she was dating and knew she wanted a family someday. Spoiler alert, Megan got her wish despite a breast cancer diagnosis arriving before she had a chance to try. And that's what we're going to hear about today. Megan was diagnosed with stage two estrogen and progesterone positive breast cancer at the age of 26. Megan's diagnosis happened in 2015. And like many women diagnosed in their childbearing years, Megan underwent fertility preserving measures, in her case, IVF for egg retrieval. By day, she's a pediatric occupational therapist, and by night she's a mom, blogger, social media advocate, and YouTube guru. I bring you Megan's story today because it's one of hope. There are few heartaches like the one of holding space in your heart for a child that hasn't yet or can't come. When I was diagnosed with breast cancer myself, I already had a daughter. My husband and I were just starting to think about maybe, maybe having another baby when my diagnosis came along. I had just turned 35. I shared this maybe desire with my new oncologist, but was told there was no time for egg retrieval or fertility preservation. But I was also told that maybe because I was years out from natural menopause, my fertility would persevere through chemo and my cycle would reawaken down the road. Sadly, that wasn't in the cards for me. I regret that I didn't ask more questions or push when I knew that fertility options were important to me. But diagnosis is a whirlwind time of decision-making in a foreign land. We don't always know what we want or feel that we're allowed to want more than what we are maybe going to receive, which is hopefully life-saving measures. Fortunately, my story of premature, permanent medical menopause after cancer treatment is not the only story out there. We have women like Megan who have been able to go on and welcome children after diagnosis. Dear listener, if you're holding hope for fertility after treatment, I hope you find Megan's story today inspiring. Ultimately, today's story is about one woman asking if she can trust her body again and wondering if she can find something joyful in a body that had become the source of so much heartbreak. Today, Megan's here to read a piece she wrote for Wildfire Magazine's 2018 Parenting with Cancer issue. This was an issue in which we explored what it means to wear both the patient hat as well as the mom hat, and in some cases, the hopeful mom-to-be hat. Welcome to the burn, Megan. Hello, (laughs) thank you so much. Thank you so much for being here today. So you are reading a piece you wrote called She Sparkles on Pregnancy After Cancer. After you read, you and I will chat a bit about where you are now in the years since you wrote this piece and what sharing your story has meant to you and those around you. And for all of you listening at home, stay tuned to the very end for a writing prompt inspired by today's story. All right, Megan, I'll let you take it away with your story. I remember that day like it was yesterday.
1: I have good news and bad news. The bad news is it's cancer. And the good, sorry. That's okay. The good okay. news, sorry. Look, I'm messing it all up. Okay, I have good news and bad news. The bad news is that it's cancer. The good news is that we have many treatments with successful outcomes for this type of cancer. I was 26 recently engaged, and we had just purchased our first home. I had graduated college and landed a new job. I was planning my dream wedding for the following year. What do you mean I have breast cancer? My family, with the help of a local nonprofit, Jamie's Dream Team, came together and made all my wedding dreams come true in only two weeks of planning before I was forced to start an aggressive regimen of chemotherapy. While normal newlyweds prepare to leave for a magical honeymoon following their wedding day, my husband and I woke up super early to drive across the city to my reproductive specialist to undergo an egg retrieval to preserve our chances of fertility. I remember the two of us heading back into the surgical center and it feeling so odd because we literally, just got married the night before. (laughs) And even though both of us discussed having babies, we never expected to literally make babies under a microscope. (laughs) The day after, we said, I do. Sorry. Okay. We ended up retrieving 14 eggs total and split them in an attempt to make seven embryos. When all was said and done, three lucky embryos made it to a viable stage for freezing. I remember being so excited for those little buggers, considering at the time, this was the only piece of fertility that I could envision myself holding on to. The following day or so, I began my active treatments. I ended up completing 12 rounds of chemotherapy out of 16 due to severe allergic reactions, A double mastectomy with lymph node dissection due to a 40% chance of recurrence and because I have a PLB2 gene mutation. 30 rounds of radiation therapy, years of hormone blocking treatments, and multiple breast reconstructions. The life I once dreamed of had changed in an instant, but that did not stop me from living my best life. From the day I was diagnosed, I refused to let cancer change my destiny. I set my foot down, decided I would fight and make all my dreams a reality. I was prepared for it to be hard, but I was not prepared for how hard it actually was. With decision after decision that I was forced to make, it made thriving that much more difficult. Ever since I was a little girl, I have dreamed of being a mom. Wherever my sisters and I would play house or school, I was always the mom who had multiple children, or the teacher with a class full of students. My whole cancer journey, I always knew that. No matter what route we took, I had to be a mom for my life to seem complete. And no matter what, cancer was not going to take that away from me. My husband and I looked at our options and decided to give natural conception a try. It was very risky considering I have to go off my medications to block my estrogen production and activate my ovaries, but the reward outweighed the risk in my eyes. In June, 2017, exactly two years after my last active treatment and the date I was deemed cancer-free, my husband and I decided to put our greatest fear, a potential recurrence in the back of our minds and refused to let cancer take anything else from our dreams. It was time. I worked closely with my oncologist and reproductive specialist and decided to take a break from my hormone blocking medications, Lupron and Remedex. We waited for my body to react and give us a sign of fertility. We gave ourselves a time frame and basically let my body do what it had to do. Every month that went by that I woke up without a menstrual cycle, my heart crumbled a little bit more. It was getting closer to our six month timeframe and I had absolutely no signs of my body doing anything a fertile woman's body should do. Then in early December, 2017, I noticed some cramping. I refused to get myself too excited, but exactly six months, practically to the day from going off of all my medications. I woke up to my first cycle in two and a half years. It actually brought a tear to my eye. And I remember being so excited to tell my husband, yes, I got my period. I know, not the most normal of things to be excited about, but that's what cancer does. It was a week before my last breast reconstruction. So my husband and I decided to not become all obsessive, checking my ovulation and taking advice from fertility apps. We decided to get me through my surgery, and heal so I could have a healthy body going into a potential pregnancy. After a long month of healing and holidays, January 2018 came and I was heartbroken because I hadn't had another cycle. It was so heartbreaking that I didn't even want to tell my husband the truth. My body had failed me again. Darn, okay. I made an appointment with my reproductive specialist to run tests and come up with an alternative plan. We had been looking into IVF, surrogacy and adoption because we knew that if the natural route wasn't meant to be, we wouldn't give up our dream of becoming parents. After multiple tests, I received a phone call from an awestruck fertility specialist. They called to tell me, that I may have missed my cycle because I potentially was pregnant due to my raised HCG levels. It was that little glimmer of hope that I needed. There could be a tiny human growing inside of me. I was hesitant to tell my husband because lately it seemed that my health had a way of always causing us heartbreak. A week of ongoing tests and continuation of rising HCG levels, and finally my doctor called and confirmed that based on blood work results, it seemed to be pregnant. We still had to wait for an ultrasound to confirm the viability of the pregnancy, but the hope that I was indeed pregnant was so overwhelming, I couldn't wait to share the news with my husband. I was determined to make it a special announcement. I went out and bought a pregnancy test because I wanted to feel official and there appeared those two little pink lines. A part of my heart knew everything was finally going to work out for us. On September fifteenth, two 2018, our lives took the greatest turn as our miracle baby, Kendra Jane Kozeal, entered our lives. Named after my oncologist, Jane Raymond, who saved my life and encouraged and supported me to never give up on my dream of becoming a mom. Kendra is how I thrive while I survive. Pregnancy after breast cancer is an incredibly touchy subject. For so many of us, we have been told that our bodies may be too damaged from the medicines that have been used to save our lives. Many of us have been told that our chances of natural fertility are slim to none. We've been instructed that our egg retrievals and shot after shot of fertility medications to stimulate our ovaries for that very important egg drop would give us a chance to preserve our fertility after chemo. Some of us aren't able to keep our lady parts due to a higher risk of recurrence or simply that the cancer has spread. Many of us have gene abnormalities that we are fearful will cause cancer. To all my breasties out there who are facing infertility, fertility anxiety, mommyhood and cancer, or pregnancy post-cancer, I promise you, you're not alone. Whichever journey you are traveling, there are plenty of women in the world living a story similar to yours. I share my story of fertility not to provide false hope to anyone going through a cancer journey. Rather, I tell to share the fact that miracles happen each and every day. Quite frankly, sometimes doctors are wrong and sometimes science can't provide all the answers. I am a firm believer in miracles.
0: Mm.
1: Oh my goodness.
0: (laughs) Megan, thank you so much. Why is that so hard? (laughs) <laughs> That's All right. That's all right. So Megan, thank you so much. Let's take a quick break here. We'll let you catch your breath and we'll hear a little testimonial. And then when we come back, I have some follow-up questions for you. It's been a while since we talked. We'll be right back. Hi, my name is Bona Cajaro and I live in the San Francisco Bay area. I was diagnosed with invasive lobular carcinoma when I was 42 years old. Um, Wildfire Magazine has been a great tool in my wellness toolbox. Um, Reading the magazine, participating in writing workshops, and having contributed some essays to past issues has really validated me and helped me process through um, a lot of the pain associated with my cancer diagnosis and made me feel less alone. I'm really grateful for Wildfire Magazine. All right. Welcome back, Megan. Thanks so much for your beautiful story. And I just want to say cuz you know, listeners can't see you. I could see you and you just did a marathon reading while juggling the results of your your fertility journey. So, hats off to you. Thank you so much for doing all the big work there. That was wonderful. <laughs> Thank you. I I can't believe like reading that just brought back so many emotions. (laughs) It is really emotional, what we've all been through, right? So let's start. Can you give us an update on how life is now and where where you are since this 2018 story? All right. So two years later, I have baby number two.
1: (laughs) Um, I worked very closely with my oncologist and we did make the decision that we wanted to try for baby number two. Once again, we repeated the process, we made a timeline. I got my cycle, I got pregnant right away and baby number two just turned one year old on Saturday.
0: (laughs) Congratulations, and she's beautiful. I love that she made a little cameo here. We could hear her in the background. So big, big congratulations. And that must feel so incredible to have your body working the way you want it to, working in your favor. That's huge. Thank you.
1: It is. It's very, I feel so grateful and blessed with the journey that I have been blessed with. Um, But on the flip side of that, every single day, I'm reminded how my body is different than the normal mom. Um, So it's very difficult, uh, but it is absolutely the dream that
0: I've always imagined my life to be. I love that. Well, you've been really... um, visible about your story. You have shared your story a lot on Instagram and social media in general, and obviously writing it for Wildfire Magazine. Can you tell us a little bit about what that meant to you to be so visible with your journey and continue to talk about it, even though now it's been a few years since you actually had your diagnosis?
1: So when I was initially diagnosed in 2015, social media was sort of like in its beginnings of people sharing their stories, I feel like. I remember when I went to search things about girls or women going through breast cancer, you really saw all the older population. So I knew from the very beginning that by me sharing my journey, as long as it would touch one other life, I was happy with that. So when I started to make decisions with my journey that in some eyes is a little risky, but in my eyes is following my dreams. I always knew deep down that there were other girls that could connect with my story and sort of the path that I took to follow my dreams. Um, Out of sharing my story through Instagram and different social media platforms, um, I never want to sort of focus on like false hope or spread false hope. But... I do really advocate for following your dreams. And no matter what your dreams are, there's always a path or a way to get there. Uh, And I'm just so blessed that I have the opportunity to share the way that I
0: got to my dreams. Well, I really love that you have continued to share because I have found that for a lot of women, it's the time after active treatment ends or you kind of settle into more of a rhythm with active treatment that you start to feel really kind of lost about what's next, because then there's a lot of choices that you have to make personally and your team, you know, your doctor team can give you their two cents, but at the end of the day, it's, it's you that has to make that. And that is so scary. And so I love that you're providing a little bit of a roadmap through your vulnerability for others. I think that's really great.
1: Thank you. You're absolutely correct. Once you're done with that active treatment and appointments go from six months to one year or what not the time frame may be, um, you are faced with these really, really hard life decisions. and. Even though cancer affected our lives and put that road bump in the way, um, your life still goes on. Um, There's always that thought that the cancer is going to come back or the cancer is going to affect your life in another way, which it does every day. But with those decisions, you can
0: learn and live to live the life that you've always imagined. Oh, absolutely. Well, and I think that writing is a big part of taking control of that narrative and allowing yourself... To kind of, in a way, decide how you want the story to end for you, and you obviously writing isn't a magic wand, and you don't get to decide, you know, how it's going to end, but you can decide your orientation to it. Are you still um, writing these days? And if you are, I just wonder how it kind of plays a role in your survivorship now. So I used to be avid in writing
1: and blogging and really sharing all my thoughts that I had because it was easy to put into my blog. However, now becoming a mom of two and working full time and cleaning the house and throwing birthday parties and all those fun things in life. um, Honestly, a lot of my written words are just for me. Um, I haven't really, I I sort of lost the time to share them with the world. Um, I'll make posts and do stories and reels and those sorts of things. But my blogging has kind of been put on the back burner. However, I do have some up and coming plans to get back to sort of mommy journaling, um, because I do find that um, our community, um, really does love the story of a mom post cancer and sort of what daily struggles we go through. Cause it is a lot different than the average mom. Um, so hopefully I'll find time, um, by the end of the year to get back to doing my blog and really sharing my words outside of my Instagram posts.
0: Oh, I love that. I love that. Well, I think that, um, I think we, I'm going to let you, um, head off and get back to the role of parenting that you're doing. As I said, everyone, Megan's been juggling her, um, her little one today. Um, so today's guest and writer was Megan Koziel. Her piece was called, she sparkles on pregnancy after cancer from the December, 2018 issue of wildfire magazine called parenting. Megan, where can people find you online and learn more about you? Sure. So I do still have my blog and website. It's she sparkles on.com.
1: And then I have my Instagram, which I'm probably the most active on. It's just at
0: Megan Cozio. Awesome. Thank you so much. So I'm April Stearns, and you've been listening to The Burn. The Burn's a production of Wildfire Magazine, where we share breast cancer stories from young women like you've never read or heard before. We also strive to inspire you to write your story like you've never written it before. Stay till the end for a writing prompt inspired by today's story. Our producer is Bill Smith of Shoe Production, and our production assistant is Monica Haro. Want more on the life-changing transformation to be had from telling your breast cancer stories? Visit wildfirecommunity.org to find a copy of the issue shared in today's episode, to find our more than 30 issues in the Wildfire Archives, and to take a writing workshop with me. Discover how to write your way back to yourself, write your way to reclaiming your body and your story. And don't forget to subscribe to The Burn and listen to it wherever you go. Finally, here's today's writing prompt. As always, you'll be setting your timer for eight minutes and you'll write without stopping or editing. Just let what needs to come out come out. There's no right or wrong way to approach a writing prompt. So our prompt today comes from a quote from Elizabeth Stone. She says, making the decision to have a child is monumentous. It is to decide forever to have your heart go walking around outside your body so as a woman who either has had or has cancer now what does it mean to have a child the emotional scars of cancer and to have your heart walking around outside your body and if you are still holding space for a child that has yet to come what does that mean for you to be holding that space and in a way have your heart be walking around in that way So eight minutes, right? Without stopping, see what needs to come out, where it will take you. Happy writing. Thanks for listening. Until next time, take good care.